Good evening. Again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, truly, God has blessed us and blessed us richly uh, throughout our living. Uh, but I wonder if we've ever given thought to why God has blessed us. Uh, he does not bless us because he is made to. Uh, he does not bless us because he has to. Uh, he certainly does not bless us because we are deserving. And the primary reason is not even that he blesses us because he is able. Uh, he blesses us uh, because he is love and because he is the good God that he is. Uh, Psalm 106 verse 1, the psalmist declares, Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, we ought to be thankful that the Lord is good. Uh, we certainly ought to be thankful that his mercy uh, endures forever. And for all of God's blessings, uh, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention again to uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, uh, the text that was read into our hearing. Uh, now, if you want to hear the message from 1 Corinthians uh, 12, just go back and check the website. Uh, they load them uh, there. But in Luke 10, verse 41, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Uh, based on uh, the account of the event that we have before us here in Luke chapter 10, uh, we want to use this evening as a subject, choosing what's best. Choosing what's best. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Luke chapter 10, I must admit that in my own living, I haven't always chosen what is best. Uh, if we were candid, I would even have to say that there are times when I have chosen what is worse, knowing that it was a worse choice at the time uh, that I made it. And I'm learning in my living that when you don't choose what is best, you also don't receive what is best. We have here before us in Luke chapter 10 what could well be called a tale of two sisters. Uh, the account of Mary and Martha reminds me somewhat of, of the novel A Tale of Two Cities. Uh, if you've ever read that, then you remember the introduction says, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. A and on it goes, uh, 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 and the book makes prominent use of doubles to present its message. Well, we find here in Luke chapter 10, a double or a contrast from which Jesus teaches us uh, a great lesson. Jesus gives us a lesson 
not in choosing between good and evil, for evil is never an acceptable choice. Rather, the master teaches us to choose what's best over what's good. And I submit to you that if we aspire to do better in life, then we need to practice choosing what's best over what's good. Now, what's best is usually not what's easiest, but we must desire what is best for ourselves. You remember Paul's admonition to the Philippians in Philippians 2, uh, his exhortation rather to the Philippians in Philippians 2, uh, verse 12. Uh, he told them to work out their own salvation uh, uh, with fear and trembling. Uh, in a word, Paul was saying to them, you all need to choose what is best. When we look at Luke chapter 10, both sisters made a choice in reference to Jesus visiting their house. Martha chose to prepare food, to be an accommodating hostess, uh, which was a good choice. I mean, after all, you, you've got the master uh, in your house, who wouldn't want to be, uh, 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 you know, a good host at, at that point? But Mary chose to sit and hear the Lord teach, which was the best choice. When we look at Luke chapter 10, there are some things to be observed from the text. Now, in verse 39, the Bible says, and she, meaning Martha, had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I, I submit to you, number one this evening, that choosing what's best means being in the best place. Now, every place that isn't the best place isn't necessarily a bad place, but make no mistake about it, there are some bad places. Uh, what if Lot hadn't been in Sodom? What if Samson hadn't been among the Philistines? What if Solomon hadn't been in a palace full of strange women? Mary sat at Jesus' feet while Martha went into the kitchen. Both choices were commendable, but Mary's choice was best. And I'm learning that every choice in life is not necessarily one between good and evil. Sometimes our choices are a matter of good and best. Uh, when you think about it, there are a lot of good causes in our world today for us to be involved in. And, and certainly I'm not advocating uh, uh, that it's wrong to be involved in a good cause. But we ought not ever be involved in a good cause to the expense of us being involved um, in the work of the Lord. Now, if I don't have time for God's business, then I don't have time for any business uh, at all. I remember Jesus saying in Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There are good causes that need people to help, but there is a best cause that also needs people to help. And choosing what's best means being in the best place. But not only does choosing what's best mean being in the best place, choosing what's best means listening to the best voice. 
Now, every voice that isn't the best voice isn't necessarily a bad voice. But again, make no mistake about it, there are some bad voices. What if Eve hadn't listened to Satan? What if Rehoboam hadn't listened to the young men's counsel? What if the man of God hadn't listened to the old prophet? It's good to be aware of what's going on in our society and in our world. And certainly I'm not advocating that there's anything wrong with watching the news or reading the newspaper. But I would assert that prayer is better than the news and the Bible is better than the newspaper. The words of Jesus have implications on eternity. In John 6 and verse number 63 in your Bibles, Jesus says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I, I need to be aware uh, of current events so that I can make uh, intelligent and informed choices. Uh, but I need to be more aware of the word of God so that I can make the best choices uh, in my living. Now, not only does choosing what's best mean being in the best place and listening to the best voice, but in verse 40, uh, uh, listen to what the Bible says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Now, Martha says, you see me trying to be a good host. And it's upwards of, of 15 people uh, in the house. Now, you have Jesus, his 12 disciples. You have Mary and Martha. I, I would venture that La uh, Lazarus was there. Uh, and, and she says, I'm trying to fix food for this multitude uh, uh, with no help. But Jesus in verse 41, answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I submit to you that choosing what's best means setting priorities and avoiding distractions. See, Mary's priority was to hear Jesus, while Martha's priority was to feed Jesus. Now, there was nothing inherently wrong with what Martha set as a priority, but the thing that she chose was less important and really could have waited. Now, so what if the food is not ready when you want it to be ready? I, I, I don't get the impression from the text that Jesus was starving to death nor that starving to death was ever a, a possibility for him. But it's possible to be so busy with good things that we don't have time for the best things. See, working to earn a living is a good thing, but when I allow work to take me away from the master, I have traded that which is best for that which is good. Prioritizing is so critical for seldom, if ever, are there enough hours in a day to do everything that we need slash want to do. But appreciate that good things aren't necessarily spiritual things. Uh, in Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus asked the eternal question, 
What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world but forfeit his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I, I want to read something to you called Big Rocks. A story has been told about a teacher who once used an illustration that his students would never forget. As he stood in front of the class, he pulled out a one-gallon, wide-mouthed mason jar and set it on the table in front of him. Then he produced about a dozen fist-sized rocks and carefully placed them one at a time into the jar. When the jar was filled to, to the top and no more rocks could fit inside, he asked, is the jar full? Everyone in the class said yes, to which the teacher replied, really? He reached under the table and pulled out a bucket of gravel and dumped some of it, dumped some of it in and shook the jar, causing pieces of the gravel to work themselves down into the spaces between the big rocks. Again, he asked, is the jar full? This time, the class was on to him, and someone answered, probably not. Good, said the teacher. He reached under the table and brought out a bucket of sand. He started dumping the sand into the jar, and it went into all the spaces left between the big rocks and the gravel. Once more, he asked the question, is the jar full? No, the class shouted. Once again, he said, good. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water and began to pour it in until the jar was filled to the brim. When the water reached the top of the jar, he asked, now how many of you think the jar is full? All of the hands were raised. He answered, you are correct. Then he looked at the class and asked, what's the point of the illustration? One student raised his hand and said, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, you can always fit some more things in it. No, the teacher replied, that is not the point. Then the teacher asked, what would have happened if I had reversed the order? Several answers were given, including, you would have made a mess. The teacher then explained, the truth this illustration teaches us is, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. It's a lesson on priorities. The ingredients that the teacher used to fill the jar represent the things with which we fill our lives. Each of these has its own value and importance. The big rocks represent those things that are most important. If we don't put the big rocks in first, we too will not have room for them, and we will make a mess of our lives. Now, I don't think you have to be a Rhodes Scholar to figure out what the big rocks are uh, uh, in our living. Now, just in case you missed it, uh, in Matthew 6:33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If our lives were a jar, then Jesus should go in first. Because I think the illustration is right. If we start filling other things uh, in the jar, there won't be room for Jesus. Now, the Lord bids us come to him and will welcome us into his family 
if we are willing to obey the gospel call. And he calls us through the gospel message being preached, the good news that he died for our sins, was buried, but also raised for our justification. Now, God requires that we hear the gospel message, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He calls for us to believe that Jesus is the Christ. In John 8, verse 24, Jesus declares, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. We must be willing to repent of sin, to turn from plotting our own course in life and to following the will of God. In Acts 17, 30 and 31, the Bible declares that God requires of all men uh, that they repent. We must be willing to make the confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32, and then we must be baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. And as a matter of grace, when we respond to the gospel call and submit to water baptism, in the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus and dwells us with his spirit and adds us to the church. When we come up out of the waters of baptism, the call then is that we walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Perhaps you're listening via one of the social media outlets and you desire to be baptized into Christ Jesus. If this is the case, we bid you to reach out to our elders at elders at laurelchurch.net and we will make provision to baptize you into Christ Jesus. Perhaps you're here in our audience and this is your desire. And if that be the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.